Welcome to Mighty Creators, where we help creators create content, grow audiences, and build revenue. My name is Asim Jalis. Our guest today is Daniel Vasallo. Welcome, Daniel. Hi, Asim. Thank you for, for inviting me. Happy to be yeah. here. <laughs> Great to have you here. So just a quick uh, intro on Daniel. So Daniel worked as a software developer at Amazon. Then he left his job to become an independent creator. Uh, he has written a book called The Good Parts of AWS, which sold quite well. And he reports all of, a lot of his revenue numbers because he, he's building in public. And then he also has this uh, video class called uh, Everybody Can... Uh, Everyone can build a Twitter audience. So I, I own both of those products and highly recommended, extremely good content. Thank you. <laughs> so, so Daniel, do you have other products in the pipeline at the moment or what's the, what's yeah. going on? So uh, I have quite a few. So I have uh, an ob- a somewhat obscure software business, which is not yet making much money. It's called user base. This was actually my first project that I sort of started working on when I left my job to work for myself. Um, it's uh, sort of allows front-end developers to add persistence to their web applications without dealing with databases and other things. Uh, it's doing it, so far, it's doing, it, doing only about $400 in monthly revenue, so far from uh, sort of uh, the success that I hoped it would become. Um, but, you know, it's still out there. I'm still maintaining it. Maybe I'll consider selling it or maybe I'll keep developing at some point, but it's not taking much of my time. Apart from that, uh, I recently, just last week, actually announced a new type of course. It's going to be some something different for, for me. It's a, a live course rather than a self-directed one, like the ones I've done before. So it's going to be uh, about some of the topics that I think we're going to be discussing here, sort of um, sort of transitioning from a mentality of full-time uh, employment and career-based success to self-employment and making sure uh, you increase your survival odds. You know, I'm going to be focused more on the downside than on the upside. Like lots of business advice is on how to make more money, how to sort of succeed and things like that. Uh, sort of my some of the ideas that I like to promote are more about how to make sure you stay self-employed, you stay in the game. More, more, the doubts, <laughs> more on survival rather than on sort of succeeding, because I really believe that you know that to to thrive you must first succeed, right? So I um, uh, sorry, you must first survive. Uh, and um, sort of I have some ideas that resonate with people that I'd like to elaborate more than I can on Twitter. So, so I, I announced this last week uh, and uh, sort of I'm doing for now four classes of 25 people each. And I managed to get them all subscribed within the within tw- almost 24 hours, just a little bit more, which was quite nice. surprising, actually. So, so that's something I'm, um, I'm going to be working on this rest of the, the month because the, next, the first class starts in November. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to it because I think it would be a nice... Um, you know, something I dislike a little bit about self-directed course, I really find it awkward to record myself on video. I'm still not used to it. Mm. Like right now, it's super comfortable. I'm talking to you. You know, it feels normal. <laughs> but right. when I press record and it's just me, I mean, it's, it consumes a lot of energy. <laughs> right. <laughs> my weird, yeah. whereas, whereas I think the cohort-based course, the live course, I think would be... You know, it, it, with my ideas, it's, it's, it's sort of consistent with my ideas as well, right, of doing things that are 
somewhat with close to our comfort zone, if not within it, right? So that mm-hmm. you know you're not investing too much, you're not taking a, a huge risk, uh, to jumping too much into the unknown, mm-hmm. right? And I sort of feel like if if I didn't do this, probably I would have continued to postpone it until I get the right inspiration, whatever. Whereas mm-hmm. when I got this idea, it became oh, uh, you know. Um, uh, you know, I can do this. I have already sort of the topics in my head. I just need to prepare a little bit the outline. And then I just go live uh, with people like with, like how we're doing this podcast and we'll just deliver it that way, answer people's questions. And immediately, you know, once I got that idea, I'd said, I, I thought, well, this is it. <laughs> well, you know, and it's another experiment. Obviously, I, you know, so far the first month in bookings has been successful. I haven't delivered the course yet, so I can't really claim success yet. <laughs> um, but but uh, I'm I'm optimistic based on the on the interest so far, and um, hopefully it's something that I can keep doing mm-hmm. over over the year. I, I I that's sort of what I'm oh, hoping nice. for. And what is it called? What's the title of the? Course? It's called the portfolio of small bets, incidentally, oh, which nice. is sort of the, the the fundamental idea that I'm sort of been trying to promote. Um, which I think, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to claim it's it's new or, or completely original. It's something that um, uh, sort of many people and in business have done before, like sort of not doing one thing but doing a portfolio of things. But, it's but I sort think your of, take think, on it is still quite insightful yeah, and valuable. Yeah, I, I think in particular in the in the tech, right. in the tech software space, it's it's uh, it's seen as almost radical, right? It's not common because I think um, bef- sort of before I started mentioning this, people used to see two options in sort of working for yourself. Right? Either if, you, if you're in software, either you go the venture capital bag to the outside where you have some big ambitious idea and you try to make it a reality at all costs, or else it was the bootstrapped part, which is a bit more similar to mine, but still a bit different, I would say, because that you still typically started with, you start with a product, and then you start, you try to make the business work for this, right? So we still sort of product first, uh, and then sort of uh, you focus 100% on that product. Sort of what I've been trying to promote is that uh, business success, there's a, there's a huge, uh, significant role of chance and luck and business success. Like you could have the best product, you could have the best marketing, you could be the best founder, best team, best everything, and still, it doesn't guarantee success, right? Which is very different, I think, from a regular career. A regular career is much more predictable, right? I mean, obviously, there's still some randomness, but if you want to get hired at Google, there's almost a checklist of things you need to know. And if you get to know them and, you know, you, you, you present them well, your chances of getting in are high. And if you get in Google and you want to get promoted to level two or level three or whatever they call them, again, like <clears throat> there is some randomness like always, but if you put enough effort, um, you could you could, uh, you could could get it. In fact, you know, when I used to work at Amazon, it was quite common. You used to see junior developers. We used to almost be certain that within a couple of years are going to be promoted because you see the qualities that they need, right? The path was super clear. My argument is that in business, that doesn't apply. There's such, such a huge element of randomness and chance that uh, you can't just treat it like a full-time job where you just uh, learn as much as you can, put, your all, put lots of hard work and expect almost certain success. That you need to do, do, you need to use strategies that, for example, book publishers and movie studios and venture capitalists themselves use 
when they deal with the highly unpredictable sort of ventures. What, what does a book, what does a book a book publisher do? You know, a book publisher never knows which book is going to be the bestseller. They publish a thousand books, so however number, with the expectation that there's going to be two, three, four, five in a year that's going to make up all the profits. And sort of, I'm trying to promote the idea that. Um, if you want to survive as a self-employed person, you don't. You, you want to make sure you don't end up going back to a full-time job. You sort of have to start to take this attitude, almost like a book publisher, like a venture capitalist, but for yourself, right? Or, or a movie studio, right? Uh, same thing. And oh, there are some differences, obviously. Like you know, a book publisher can can publish a thousand books a year. An individual, you can't publish a thousand books a year. Right? So I think you have to be even more aggressive with the filtering. And this is where the small part of my small bets comes from, is that mm-hmm. you need to trade off some of your upside, like uh, stop looking at the sky for super high ambitious things, go for the low hanging fruit, at least at first. Like start to build a few small wins from your portfolio um, and then see what works. And it's, it's uh, so much easier to replicate something that works rather than try to learn from, from failure Mm-hmm. and do something completely different. Right? I, I strongly believe there's more to learn from a super tiny small win, something that sold $1,000. It might not change your life, but you sold $1,000 to strangers. Now maybe you know you can use what you did, change the topic, right? and maybe you sell $1,000 or, or more. Whereas if something fails, you, know, you might learn some things, but typically you don't really know exactly. Because again, like there's a million variables that yeah. need to happen for, for, for a product to succeed. And when something fails, you never know exactly what, what was it. Was the product not good enough? Was the marketing not good enough? Was the timing bad? Was the price too high? The price too low? Mm-hmm. million other things. Like was it right. the website colors? Who knows? Whereas if something works, you also don't know what what like right. what was. But, but at least you have candidate, something that yeah. you can almost right. copy and paste mm-hmm. and have higher odds, I believe, right, of making it work right so um it's it's a very experimental trial and error almost approach to to business which is i think you know it's 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 different which by the way i believe that in the non-software business in the small business world in brick and mortal and other traditional businesses this is a bit more common that mm-hmm. business people typically tend to have you know lots of things that they tend to put their 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 you know their feet in and they see what works they throw away what doesn't and keep doing what works right so yeah. it's, it's a very common pattern no and i like the way you've framed it with you know this there's like this idea that it either you go with a vc or you bootstrap but there's actually that third option which is exactly yeah and both of those are big bets like even bootstrapping is it is mean, a big bet yeah. exactly which is which is and i think it has an effect even psychologically right i mean it's you know, because in theory, right, and this is actually what I was going to be doing at first, in theory, you could employ the portfolio idea instead of doing many things in parallel. You do many things in series. So you try your, your, your best idea. If it doesn't work, you try your second best and your third best. And uh, I think this is harder to pull off, even though at the macro level, like if you look at over your lifetime, over a 10-year period, you could still say outside 10 bets, right? Maybe, but you did one every year rather than 10 at the same time. Nevertheless, you know, I believe it's much harder to pull off because even psychologically, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, First of all, it's very hard to know when you're going to give up on something. This is actually what 
prompted me to try the portfolio idea because I was working on user base and then I had almost a little bit of a crisis. I started thinking, oh, when will I know whether I should start yeah. focusing on Actually, that was going to be one of my questions, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and basically, I mean, what All if right. it starts succeeding, but it's succeeding slowly? Should I abandon it and focus on the other thing? I mean, what signal will I receive? And that was quite uh, like that uncertainty was quite uncomfortable. So, so And, and I think a lot of these things are exponential curves. So it might look yeah. like you're... It might look flat, exactly. Flat, but That's it how, just takes off like, if, as soon as you give up, maybe it was going to take off the next week. Yeah, so sort of, it's I, I've now I've been trying to arrange my portfolio of things such that I don't even have to answer that question. Right? Like like we were talking about user base right now, I'm not thinking of user base turning it off. Like the costs of maintaining it are almost negligible. Right, it takes me I don't know a couple of hours a week maybe, um, and uh, you know maybe we are in the flat part of the exponential curve, or maybe some event happens. You know, maybe one of the competitors shuts down and people start looking again at who knows. Like, 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 like now I feel like time is my friend. The more time passes, the more I'm exposed to good luck. <laughs> like mm-hmm. some things that I can't even imagine happening that would benefit me. Um, this I, it's funny, I was discussing this uh, recently with someone on, on Twitter, you know, when, for example, Facebook had the outage recently, right? I mean, people start looking at other things. Like, and I think Twitter had the best day ever. And <laughs> um, uh, what was it? There, there was some other outage recently. I, I can't remember that, which benefited one of these smaller uh, sort of Google Analytics like mm. businesses. I was uh, sort of I was talking to it about it with one of the founders. Um, it's it's funny how sometimes there are things that can happen in the future you can never predict that can be really beneficial in terms of being sort of good luck. And the thing is, if you take the serious approach where you do work on plan A and then you shut it down and you pivot to plan B and then it doesn't work, shut it down, pivot to plan C, you're not exposed anymore to the good mm. luck on plan A if you turned it off, right? I mean, because if you're running things concurrently, you're exposed uh, to, to, to good luck. Um, but, you know, as, as, and as, as I said before, like psychologically, right, going to a string of failures is also very demoralizing I yeah. mean, at least to me i'm probably to many people it's hard to try one thing you fail try another thing you fail try another thing you fail whereas if, i think if you're doing five things at the same time or even three there's something really gives you lots of peace of mind like you know that uh, even if you're trying this even if it doesn't work you can shift attention to the other thing like immediately like tomorrow right and you never really feel like that pressure and you're sort of inside of you that you must make this mm. work right because right. you know there's always the third the second third fourth thing like, which really helps me at least myself keep keep going <laughs> yeah yeah so how do you um at the same time i mean how do you how small are these bets like because they, i mean as i hear this it's i i can see yeah. a temptation to claim something as a small bet but it, it's really just a big bet it, it can happen, as a yes. small bet it's happened to me with user base. I, I mean, I wasn't even thinking that way in the beginning. Right? I would say when I started user base, I was still in bootstrapper mode. So I was trying to do what I thought was the best idea that I had in my mind. Now I think that's a mistake. Like now actually I believe the best ideas that people have, typically they're not even aware of them, but they haven't even thought about them. They just happen. Mm-hmm. Like right now the best thing, like the things that I'm doing that are working the most and I'm enjoying working on most, I couldn't even imagine myself just two years ago that I would be doing them, right? which I think is a very fascinating idea, right? Whereas, 
you know, user-based was something that I, uh, in a domain that I had like 20 years of experience in, I thought like, if I'm going to make it, it must be this thing, right? Because I'm going to bring in 20 years of knowledge. I've been programming since I was a child and I've been on this domain forever, right? And worked at large scale, low scale. I knew everything about it. But it turns out as I, what, I, what I missed, again, like was the, a sort of element of things outside of my control, things that are super hard to predict, things that are just um, just very, very difficult right, to, to treat as a predictable thing in business. Right? So uh, it didn't work out as well as, mm-hmm. I, as I did. So um, I, how, I think now I'm a big believer that you need to be almost ruthlessly rigorous with how small things are. Like um, I, I'm still in the phase where I, I almost exclude anything. I filter out anything that's going to be burdensome to maintain, for example, right? Um, I, I have a tendency to prefer things that I work on them at, with high intensity for a short period of time. And then, then they're done, right? And then I can just focus on maybe marketing them, promoting them, but I don't really need to have a high maintenance burden. Um, uh, and I try to filter things that, that I can do by myself and abundantly my, by myself, not even stretching myself too much. I don't want to be working 60 hours a week for a year to do something. I'm okay working 60 hours a week for a couple of weeks or maybe a month, for example, um, uh, you know, high intensity mode. It's sort of, I, I feel good about it, but then that's it, right? It's done and the product is done, right? So uh, what this led me to is, for example, um, towards one-off products, like rather than subscription products, right? um, which I believe it's a good way to start at least. Right? I, I mean, I don't exclude eventually having a subscription product or another software product, um, uh, but I, I'm definitely uh, now sort of t- considering significantly the amount of effort and input mm-hmm. that needs to go in either to launch or to maintain right so yeah. so it's an inverse a bit of rather than what's the best thing that i could do it's almost like what's the lowest hanging fruit like what's the easiest thing i could do completely acknowledging that the financial upside and even maybe satisfaction upside is smaller in the small bet right um, in fact, sometimes I argue one of the first small bets people can do to move from full-time employment to self-employment is just to take up some freelancing, right? It could be just, you know, somebody personal, from the personal connections or from one of the internet sites. And you take, you know, five hours a week, maybe you work on a, on a, on a weekday, on, sorry, on a weekend, just one day a week or whatever. It's already starts to, um, you know, it's already a different mentality, self-employment, that right? you can take different clients, you can choose who, who to work with, who not to work with, you can choose how much to price, you can understand a bit of price sensitivity. If you ask for $200 an hour, maybe you don't get that, but if you ask for 100 you get something different. Mm-hmm. You start learning a lot right? that you can start to translate into business, which I think eventually then the stepping stone would be to move from, to actually quit full-time employment to instead of doing five hours a week, freelancing you might be doing you know 25 hours a week you still have lots of flexibility with your time now so you can start experimenting with uh, other products and services right and start to build your portfolio that way right if especially if you don't really have savings that you can just you know just leave your job and sort of live off your savings for a while um which which um which by the way uh, just to to that part i think 
you know, this might be actually a more, not only it's more realistic, but I think it might be even more successful. So I'm now believing that sometimes you can almost have too much savings and too much cushion and buffer, which I think sort of what happened to me a little bit, you start to, to become a bit more ambitious if you think you have a lot of time. Whereas Goes against think, a small bet, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, exactly. Yeah, right. Right. When, 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 when sort of somehow I managed to instill a sense of urgency in me, it's mm. when almost a part of my brain activated that was completely dormant <laughs> that started seeing opportunities that I wasn't even seeing before, mm. right? Um, so kind of it's like being hung- hungry when you go out to eat versus like... Exactly. No, no, people, I think yeah. it's almost the same, uh, it's the same thing, right? It's, it's probably human nature that we're probably wired to conserve energy unless we need to work. So I think having too much buffer can sort of put you in that state where you just want to conserve energy. Same thing with hunger, completely agree, right? It's, it's um, uh, one of the arguments of fasting, for example, right? Is that it makes you more alert because when we're hunter-gatherers, <laughs> you know, if you're hungry, <laughs> you <laughs> went to, to have to go find food, right? So um, uh, it's, it's almost the same, the same yeah. idea. Now, so, I mean, that's, so I think the small bad idea sounds very powerful, what are some of the other filters that you use? Like when you're, as you're evaluating, let's say you just have these random yes. ideas. Are you looking at like your energy level when you think about it or the market size? What are some of the other, or do you leave some of these questions as too speculative? Um, no, no, I have a set of questions. And I think the, the, the sort of, I became more rigorous with the questions, the more sort of, uh, I mean, I don't think you can afford to be super selective in the beginning, except for how much input you put. So it's sort of my framework has evolved to nowadays, now two and a half years in, <clears throat> to include <clears throat> more about how this will affect my lifestyle and my enjoyment and my, you know, my my sort of happiness and things like that. Whereas I think when you're starting, you want to be biased more about um how much input does it does this need and what are the odds of success and i think you want to choose things that don't require the least amount of effort and a reasonably high odds of meeting your expectation that's what i could define success that is whatever you're expecting if you're expecting to make a thousand dollars a month from this what do you think are the odds of success of getting that it's super hard to calculate right i mean this is not a game like a video game it's hard to know 50 percent chance or whatever so it's mostly a gut feel Right. Um, so I think in the beginning, you want to be, you know, almost that's the only filter. And then once you start having some successes, then you can start applying more rigorous filters. Now, now you might say, you know, I'm not particularly enjoying this thing. You know, I, I have to do it now because it's paying the bills. But I'd rather, you know, do something that uh, gives me more, more energy. Like you mentioned this. I, I actually I like to think it that way. I try to imagine myself doing something. Mm. Um, we were talking about this cohort-based course in particular this life course I was literally visualizing in my head like because it, it, it's going to add a bit more this is the first time in two and a half years that I'm going to have something on the calendar <laughs> previously right. except for with the occasional podcast or something like that my calendar is completely free right and this time uh, I'm going to have two months where I'm going to have Monday Wednesday and Friday from 10 to noon you know, I'm going to have something there, which, you know, it's, it's, it's not ideal, I, I'll admit. But on the other hand, as we mentioned before, there are lots of benefits in terms of, the, I think delivering it would be, uh, it gives me more energy. I think that's a good way. Right? If, if I, I were to compare it with recording a self-directed course, 
uh, I would likely be putting it off and I would, mm-hmm. would drain my energy right? because it's not something that I feel comfortable. This is less doing. effortless. Yeah. This, is, I mean, this, this feels is less effortless. effort. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. This feels less effort. Right? So it's part of the input formula to me. Um, and, you know, let's, let's think, let's face it. Right? I mean, a couple of hours, three times a week is not that much. Right? I mean, it's still six hours a week. It's not yeah. a huge burden on my calendar, so I can still manage it. Um, so yes, I, I think, I think th- this, this is the idea that I'm going to be sort of trying to sort of teach in the, in the course as well, in sort of um, moving incrementally from sort of very, very low hanging fruit to sort of um, more lifestyle first bets, I call them, right? Where instead of starting with, um, you know, your, your business ideas, you actually start to uh, start your ideas and your filters by what is your ideal lifestyle arrangement? Do you want to work uh, while traveling? Do you want to work from home? Do you have a family and you want to take your kids to school in the morning, like time and other commitments? What's your ideal lifestyle? And then you try to actually find opportunities that fit in it. Mm-hmm. Right? And, you know, it sounds almost idealistic, right? I mean, it sounds too good to be true. And it's, it's true, right? It's not even, even my, it's still, I'm still doing trade-offs that are not, um, perfectly compatible with my lifestyle, but I think you can move incrementally right from right. the sort of full-time employment, which is co- almost the complete opposite. Your life revolves around your work, whereas, you know, you have a 48, typically a 40 hour week and almost everything you do in your personal life have, has to fit around it. Right. Um, if you want to take, you know, a month off, you need to ask permission. If you want to sort of work from somewhere else, you have to ask permission. Um, typically, you only have sp- spare time at nights on weekends and so on and so forth. Mm. Um, and I think sort of there's um, very prudent ways where you take prudent risks from sort of moving again step by step <clears throat> from right. the sort of work first approach to a more lifestyle first approach. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, now, is, is which, that course, are you planning to also turned into a product and sell it it's as... i think it's an option at some point um uh, i i i haven't really thought much okay. about it right? it's but it's it's possible right? i mean if just if, because the effort uh, is already done i mean basically yes I, yes oh, oh, I, I like i like i think i think it's i'm saying i'm, I'm going to try to another experiment i'll admit that i don't know how this is going to work but you know, one of the reasons why I kept the classes small, like just 25 people, I, I could have easily, you know, maximized more financially and made the classes like 100 people, mm. you know, big instead of 25. I'd like to sort of start to cultivate somewhat of a, of a, of a community, I would say. I, I already attempted this, which I haven't really succeeded with my profit and loss, which I think you remember, right? My profit mm. and loss yeah. sort of uh, circle. Um, but that, you know, it was, again, another small bet. Uh, it was mostly centered on me, on my financial updates and my sort of journey. I got some questions, but I didn't really manage to get people talking to each other, right? And I, I, haven't, I haven't really put much effort into it, I'll admit that, but it sort of didn't, I, I'm not seeing the spark mm-hmm. for it to happen that I can just help it happen. Whereas I, I hope, or I feel there's a higher chance that, if I start doing these classes with 25 people, we meet um, uh, uh, three times a week, right? Um, for a couple of weeks, we get to know each other in video, we talk, we ask questions, we introduce each other and we help each other sort of with, uh, with, with our own journey. And we'll have our own, our own Discord ch- server. We can, con- can continue talking forever and keep up with each other. 
I think there's a there's a bigger chance that I can sort of cultivate a community that way, right? Where there's people who started the same journey, um, uh, sort of discussed the same ideas, right? And yeah. everyone comes with their own circumstances and things like that. Which I think totally. I mean, I've, take, I've I've taken some core classes, and I totally agree that it it's a completely different experience. Experience, and um, the, yeah. the, the same thing happened to me. I, in fact, I think what what was the pivot tipping point? I would say actually to move me from to do with a live course was me joining a course recently um, uh, as, a, as a live course right? uh, um, and un- seeing from the student side mm. what is actually quite fascinating. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, there's these people here that I feel I know them a little bit now. Um, uh, we're following each other. We're talking to each other. Right? It's, it's, it's very, very interesting. So I think that's what, that's what I think I would lose if I were to convert it to and, you know, and the products would probably end up competing a bit with each other. Right? So I know it's a bit of marketing. Right. right. Well, games, are... I would say that. Right? I mean, if you put the yeah. self-directed one, then you sort of have a bit of a challenge how to promote them. Right? It's like, mm. especially if the price is significantly different. I mean, the, right. I priced this to $175. It's not super expensive, in my opinion. Uh, there's much more, you know, I think it's typical for uh, these types of courses. But even now, if you're doing a self-directed video, it's going to have to be you know, 40, 50, maybe 70 at most. Um, right. And you sort of now have a problem. Yeah, um, those cannibalizing so, each other. Yeah. Well, so I'll see that. I keep it as an option um, okay. and we'll, we'll see. Oh, but it, yeah, it's interesting <laughs> to hear your thoughts on it, though. I mean, that's a good way of thinking about it. All right. Well, thank you so much, uh, Daniel. It was, uh, it was great talking to you. And Cool. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Mighty Creators. If you enjoyed this interview, please subscribe.